All right, we're excited for this week's episode of the Midnight Founders Podcast. Today, we're going to introduce you to Carlton Van Putten and his company, PayRent. I think the key takeaway this week is uh, learning from Carlton about how everything in his career path kind of led him to be uniquely qualified to uh, solve the problem that his company is trying to solve right now. And also that, you know, he waited until later in his career to really kind of scratch the entrepreneurial itch. And he always knew that he 30 wanted to, years or something, yeah, right? He wanted he always knew he wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I think the advice that you can take from that is it's never too late to get started on your idea. So if you have an idea but you're like, oh I'm you know, don't know if I want to get started, it's never too late. Let's do it. Here we go. Let's get started. Well, welcome, welcome. We're excited to, uh, to be here at another episode of the Midnight Founders Podcast, sponsored by Rev Road and CB Vault with Central Bank. Uh, I'm AJ Rounds, host of the show, along with my co-host, Jake McCarg. And we're so excited to be here with Carl Van Putten with PayRent. And he's got a phenomenal story for us today. We're excited to hear how the company started and some of the things he's working on, challenges, and how he overcame those challenges like the Midnight Founder podcast that like we talk about. So with that, um, let's get started. Jake, do you want to start us out with uh, a question for Carl? Yeah. Um, so we kind of started talking about this, but I'd love to know what your background is, um, how you got into this, and like what started this idea for pay rent sure yeah well first of all just thank you for uh, putting this together yeah i love the premise yeah um the midnight uh, solving entre- problems right we're in the trenches well right? yeah and, and and just the idea that the that there is no end or beginning to your day right mm-hmm. this is when you're when you're starting something off from scratch you're thinking about it kind of obsessed about it it actually matches my personality a little bit. I'll tell you. I'll tell you some of those stories. I can't see any of that at but, all. Right? <laughs> but we just, um, you know, we just we just can't turn it off a lot of times. I know, right? So, it's a problem. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. Talk to my family. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it can. And be they're a right along with us with this journey, right? That's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Sometimes I have to be reminded. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, just just glad to be here. Um, and I'm and I'm really excited to be a part of the portfolio company for Red Road. I mean, I think um, you guys really have something special. Um, you're really doing something that is much needed and unique in the market. And um, I'm just really proud to be a part of what you guys thank are doing. You. So Appreciate thank that. you for welcome, welcome. We're lo- we're for welcoming me in to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Jake, we want to talk a little bit about my my background. Um, so I'm. I was asking you before we started whether we can just like be completely like transparent and tell you tell you all the dirt. It's us, right, Jake? Tell you the stories. It's just the three of us, right? Yeah. No, you know. We're an open book, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, and I am too. And so, you know, sometimes when I would talk about um, you know my backstory or what I've been through, you know, I don't really want to sugarcoat it. I really just want to say, hey, you know, this is this has been my life and this has been my experience uh, that I've had thus far and this is why I'm where I'm at and this is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just really important to me to, to not try to spin things, you know, or, or you know, tell a story, tell, tell a story that's not, a, that's not true. So right. I'm glad we get a chance to, to share that all together. Mm-hmm. So my background is, uh, is pretty lengthy. You know, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I was born in I think LA. I've heard of that place. A in LA, bit. yeah. Uh, grew up in a, a town called Inglewood. Oh yeah. 
Um, it's where the stadium is. It's where right? SoFi Stadium is yeah. now. And yeah. it's so interesting because it's totally been gentrified. But mm-hmm. to be honest with you, it was not a good place to grow up. It was not a good neighborhood. It's I gone know. through some evolution, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the Forum, uh, you know, and, and the Lakers and what Magic Johnson did in that area after he retired from the Lakers changed the entire dynamic of that neighborhood. But, uh, you know, I would, I would call it a lower middle class mm-hmm. neighborhood. Not a terribly safe place to live. You know, there was there was definitely gang violence around, and it's pretty close to South Central L.A., which is you know mm-hmm. was the, kind of the heart of of gangland in Los Angeles at the time when I was yeah. growing up, um, which you know was in the seventies, seventies yeah. and eighties, right? Not too far off Skid Row and that sort of thing. Yeah, so. yeah. So you know, I, I grew up in an environment with um, with two great, very dedicated, uh, and loving parents who. Uh, until my mom passed away, they had they've been married for 50 years, and um, it, it was a really uh, safe and encouraging place to grow up and be. But the surrounding environment was not that way. My parents created a place mm. for us that that was that way. The right? Nurture versus nature. Yeah, they thing, right? <clears throat> they both grew up uh, very poor. Mm. Uh, my father is African American. He grew up in. Virgin Islands. He was born there. His father was a missionary uh, for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So he grew up in a very impoverished situation, 10 kids uh, to his family. My mom grew up in North Carolina, uh, very much in that sort of sharecropper environment that was that was a part of that culture. Um, both of them um, were very, very high on education, right? Mm. Both of them got PhDs in education, they actually dedicated their whole life and their whole, um, everything they did was around uh, educating. So my dad dad was a principal, my mom was a school psychologist. And, you know, for, uh, they they built a very good middle-class life for us Mm. um, with, with, starting with very little, right? Yeah. So they put a, they hit. All the cards stacked against them almost, huh? Yeah, it it really was. And I, I actually think, uh, on my mom's side, she might have been the only one to go to college in her mm. in her family. I think she was the only one to go to college. Amazing. Yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad went to co- college, uh, and so did a couple of his brothers and sisters. And they went. In, they ended up going into the ministry for the church and that sort of thing. But my dad became an educator. <clears throat> so um, I grew up in a I grew up in a family that really prided themselves on getting a good education, um, getting a good job. <clears throat> but I can tell you. You know, my exposure to any type of entrepreneurial environment was not there. They were very much play it safe, mm. get a good job. Traditional. Very traditional, get a, go to college, do that sort of thing. And so, and, and I remember talking to my mom and dad about, you know, wanting to do things that might have been a little bit more creative or a little bit more uh, higher risk. And their comment was always, great, go for it and do it. And, and I don't think they knew it at the time, but they would all say, also say things like, you know, but have something to fall back on, right? Mm. This whole idea of, you know, have something to fall back on, go to college, and so you can always have, get, have a job or get a, plan. get a job. Yeah. Um, that was deeply ingrained into the way I thought about how I would run my life, right? And so um, I, went to, I went to undergrad at UCLA, uh, graduated uh, from there and did some, uh, some graduate work there as well. And, um, and really just started down the path of a job, just having a job. And um, I, I was always, as a kid, 
figuring out a way to make extra money, doing things with paper routes and selling cards door to door and really being kind of entrepreneurial as a child. But when I graduated from college, I very much set any of that aside and just basically went for the, went kind of the job and career route. Um, got married at a fairly young age and had kids in my 20s and really just played play the job path for you know the next 30 years you know that's that's kind of what I did I, I didn't clock in clock out kind clocking of. in well clocking and clock on out but but I actually made a lot of good progress I mean I've I I was I, I made it into the executive ranks of a publicly held Fantastic. company by the time I was 32 and wow. I, I I was very ambitious which from, company was that from a job standpoint I worked for a company called focus enhancements which oh, okay. um, they were publicly held um, very cool. they were a Mac peripherals company and I, w- I was the VP of marketing at that company at a pretty young age very cool. and uh, so I was very much self-taught in the business and leadership world and I was very much a student of leadership and it really actually sustained me very nicely f- while I raised my kids and provided a really I would say completely risk averse risk-free environment for them. Mm. Um, and this so were you in California the whole time? Yeah, I was just going to ask. I yeah. moved all over the place. Yeah. So oh, okay. I, I moved to Silicon Valley uh, and, and worked at Apple Computer back in the 90s before Steve Jobs came back when they were kind of lost in the wilderness, you know? A transitionary um, point, right? That yeah. Gap, yeah. Gap it, was, uh, it was a different time. I mean, Apple, people revere Apple and love Apple today, but they were really struggling in the 90s with an identity. They were trying to become a PC company and were re- really being misled by... Um, excuse me, by management um, at the time. And, and so, you know, Apple wasn't that great a place to be. It, it has a great name now, and I'm proud to have been there during the time as a product manager. I learned everything about how to create software products and mm. hardware products. Um, I, I am a complete technophile. I love technology. I've always loved technology. Mm. And so um, that my, my time and experience at Apple really just kind of led me down this this career path for uh, for tech. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I've known that that's what I've wanted to do. And that's what I have done for my whole career is build, build, uh, software products. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, uh, spent three decades, almost 26, 27 years or something like that, building products for other companies, um, and helping both, large and medium and even a few startups to transition and grow and build products that customers wanted and scale their business. And then, you know, eventually those companies, I would either move to another company and help them do the same. Um, The last two companies that I worked at were payments companies Mm. that were also fintech companies. Okay. Um, I'm saw, seeing all the crossroads come together yeah. for pay rent. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, that's exactly what happened. So um, I, I've been building software and then I got involved in payments and I love the payment space because it's, it's one of those utility products that everybody, nobody thinks about, but yeah. it's a huge business and mm-hmm. it, there's a huge opportunity there for creating, for creating um, things that, that, cus- that customers really want and that aren't necessarily out there because of the way banks and regula- regulators have to, have to manage their portfolio of products. Mm-hmm. There's just room for a ton of innovation, mm. right? And so, you know, I was, I was privileged enough to be a part of a couple companies that were innovating in the payment space. Mm. Um, and both of those companies saw some exits. 
Um, and PayPal, maybe. Uh, well, we were we <laughs> just we, kidding. Yeah, we were we were acquired by a couple of large, um, yeah, payment companies, WorldPay, and yeah. um, uh, which is a giant mega payments infrastructure and cool. First American and some other ones. So, yeah. So anyway, um, that's that was my journey to this this place. Um, but for me personally. I just decided that there was I was I was not going to end my working career without stepping onto the entrepreneurial stage. Mm, that step in the darkness, huh? The step into the darkness, mm-hmm. right? Because we know how that feels, right, Jake? How, yeah. How has it been? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's scary. You step to the edge of a For of sure. a cliff, and then you jump off, and then you flap your little wings as hard as you can. And hope that you can fly before you hit the ground. That's right. That's kind of what it feels like, right? And and it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a risk I was willing to take when I was raising a family, but I certainly embrace that risk at this stage because my kids are out and mm. they're grown. And I really admire people, you know, frankly, that step out earlier and really have that entrepreneurial bug and go and do that. That wasn't my journey at all. I'm not. Mm. I don't think I'm going to be. You know, I'm not going to have a serial entrepreneurial story. I'm going to have this one and maybe one other after this, but that's, you know, that's going to be my journey. But it right? sounds like you couldn't go through life without at least trying once or twice. I have, I have it in my phone. It's like, I will, I, I just, I think it takes a lot of courage yeah. to yeah. step out on faith, try to create something from nothing and grow something from zero. Right. I think it takes a lot of faith. And I, I just didn't want to have the regret of just not taking that leap and taking that step out to do that. No regrets. And, and what's been awesome, frankly, is just the people that kind of come around you to help you, to lift you up, to be some wind beneath your wings. You know, let's just think about talking, talking with you, Jake, about, you know, what you do to help some of these businesses that are out here to, to thrive and grow by the things that you're doing, you know? Um, it's really critical to have, uh, a, a crew, a group mm-hmm. of people. That's right. Um, kind it, of feel, a village, it, right? it feels like you're alone. Yeah. But but really, <laughs> I don't think you can be alone and do this. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast has ever felt alone in any way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're, they're out at right? midnight they, on their laptop. They all know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Carlton, uh, tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, what Payrent is, how it got started, and, and let's dive into that. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I, I have since since the last company I exited, I have been looking for an opportunity to do something in the payment space mm-hmm. and do something with software because mm. I know those things. You know, I know how to create software products that customers really like, and I know the payments business, the underpinnings of the payments business, and how it works, and the unit economics, and what you need to do to be able to make that successful. Um, and so we kept our eyes open for just opportunities that might come to us. Myself and one of the other investors in the business, early investors in the business, who actually happened to be the CEO of the previous company I worked at. Oh, cool. We just always said, hey, we like working together. Let's look for something else to do cool. together. So, so that we, means you're good at building relationships and working with people long term. Yeah. I, and I think, you know. Just it's like I said, people just amazingly come into your life at the right time mm-hmm. and fill out the, the the needs that you have. Yeah, um, 
that that's why when I talk about this whole faith act, this act of faith, it's like stepping out on a leap of faith is so amazing because you don't know where your step is going to land mm-hmm. or when you're going to fly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if there's any encouragement I can offer for people that are listening to this and, and trying to figure out whether this is something that they want to do, they have to believe in providence. They have to believe, mm. I think, in... Whatever that means to you, right? Yes, whatever that means. You know, just like the, the universe is organizing power. Whatever you yeah. want to call it, you have to know that there's something in addition to you mm-hmm. that helps you to cr- helps things to get created. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I would have ever met you or you or any of the other things if I wouldn't have taken that step. Um, and I'm glad I, kn- I know the people that I know. And I think it's a miracle every day to, to meet the people that I've met mm-hmm. because that's nothing I could have ever figured out or, or, or forced an orchestration of. Right. Yeah. And uh, like, that's a consistent theme that we're hearing from most entrepreneurs uh, that we've interviewed is that you have to take that step before you're ready to take that step or else you'd never start a business. You would never start. You would never start because it's never a comfortable thing, right? You're stepping Mm -hmm. into completely outside of your comfort zone. And that, that's another driver for me. It's just like I'm just not willing to stay in a, in my comfort zone. I'm, Good for you. You have to stretch. Cool. You have to keep growing. You have to keep learning, yeah. um, especially if you're a creative type. So you just have to do it. You know. Cool. You so payrat. What what problem are you solving with payrat? Um, well, so f- so for us, what we saw was that there's a, a really large population of I'd say DIY landlords out there. Uh, guys like you and me, the dentist down the street. They own a couple of properties, but they're not a lot of them. They own, they they're trying to build some wealth for themselves. Yeah. Um, most of the time, they what they really want is to create you know truly passive mm-hmm. income, mm-hmm. cash flowed you know properties plus appreciation. Right. It's yeah. a, it's just a great vehicle for growing wealth. Yeah. Um, and so and and it's and it's low enough of a bar so that just about anybody can get into it and get started for relatively. Yeah. With you a little know, bit of capital, yeah. Very, very little capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's 11 million of those people here in the U.S. It's oh, pr- really? It's a pretty big number. That own between one and... One and 50 properties. 50 properties, okay. Yeah. That's your sweet spot right there. 11 million people uh, that own about 32 million rental units in, mm. in the U.S. That's cool. Yeah. I it, didn't know the stats. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a a very large population. Um, they, they aren't necessarily... Um, investing in, I would say, heavy-duty property management mm-hmm. tools and platforms. They generally don't want to do that. Because they're very expensive. And they're very complex. And complex, that's right. Um, so you have this whole population of people that are trying to keep it simple. They're trying to make this as passive as possible mm-hmm. and you know, generate income without... Doing it at midnight, right? Managing with, their properties at midnight. Right, doing their midnight side hustle. founders hu- themselves. Doing their side hustle. <laughs> that's that's right. exactly right, doing that's their right. side hustle. So... Um, when uh, when we started the business in 2020, those were the people that we wanted to serve. Okay. And we started the business in January 2020, and then of course in March of 2020, COVID happens. We all know what, yeah. And we all know what that we felt remember like. Remember that day, yeah. Right. And and the amount of stress, and and fear, and trepidation that 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 disruption in revenue for the landlord, and the stress and fear that happened for so many renters yeah. be, not by any fault of their own. 
Especially because the regulations were siding oftentimes with the renters saying, hey, for sure. don't worry about paying your rent for payments sure. for X number of months. And yeah, that was a tricky time, wasn't it? It was very tricky. And, um, you know, the the amount of the late rent that was paid, rent that was paid after the due date, um, or not at all, spiked up to 25% mm, of renters. I believe that. In April mm. and in May. Um now, it, it, it retreated pretty quickly, and people got a handle on that disruption. But what it informed us about and what we heard from customers that we were already in, in market and getting customers was that they just want, you know, they just want on-time rent. It's mm-hmm. like, if you can help my tenant or if you can help me in any way, shape, or form to make sure that cash keeps flowing so that I can, as, a, as an investor, keep making my mortgage payments on these properties, mm-hmm. um, you know, then that would be a huge benefit yeah. in the market. Um, and so that was when we started to think, okay, well, can we be that safety net? Mm. Can we provide a, a platform, not just where renters and landlords can just make their regular rent payments, but can we provide a safety net where, you know, if there needs to be some type of a, a short-term bridge of capital, a, a loan to the renter, or an on-time guarantee to the landlord that has a very high likelihood of being paid back within weeks because mm-hmm. that was really the nature of the problem. The problem mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a two-week gap, and that's, that two weeks is super stressful for mm-hmm. everybody. If we can just solve that problem for people, we will have improved the, li- the lives of the renter and the financial well-being of the landlord. Mm. And so that's really what we chose to focus on as, you know, as a value proposition. So the safety net for the renters and the landlord combined, essentially. Yeah. We, we just want to end the stress about late and lost rent. Yeah. That's that's where we're at. Mm. Um, and there are many ways to do that. And we, we have some of them in place today, and we're building some of them for the future as well. But it's really just about that, solving that one thing. You know, solving the problem of late and lost rent for renters and landlords. So, cool. so if if you have a struggle uh, making rent on the first, and you've got a good payment history, then you know we'll have we'll we'll be able to you know give you a, an interest free short term loan that you pay back over a two or three week period, and you can go ahead and pay rent, no late fees. The landlord's not stressed, you're not stressed. Yeah, and of course you know there's there's money to be made in that, but there's also relief to provide uh, for the for the market as well. With our rental properties, uh, we would give all of our tenants a discount if they paid before the first. Right. Mm. Because you know, it's that I critical hated, to get it in. Well, yeah. and I just hated that, like sending that text that said, "Hey, uh, where's rent?" Right. You know, it's I, the vest. It's, it's due. So, exactly. Or yeah. like, if it's not due by, if you don't get it in by the fifth, then you have a late payment or whatever. Right, right. Like, I would much rather give away that that late payment that we, you know, the fee that we would have collected for yeah. the late payment. I would much rather pay you guys to handle that whole process. Yeah, and and so in fact, we we built a feature that that offers a you know an early discount automatically if you pay before the first, and we mm. you know we're able to automatically levy late fees, but the important things that we're building are uh, two things. Number one is that we do, we, we partnered with a, with a lending partner that is able to just let people borrow up to $500 of cash, uh, you know, with no interest, just a one-time transaction fee. 
so that they can make rent on time, right? Mm. They'll pay it back over uh, over that month, but it just helps to alleviate the stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, translates later into, you know, maybe somebody is in a position where they just really would rather pay on the 5th and the 15th because that's how they get paid, right? Gig workers in particular have this issue, right? Their cash flow comes and goes in, in sporadic amounts. And the the number of gig workers that are renters now is nearing 45%. Mm. Almost half of people that rent are also gig workers, which means they're not getting paid on a regular basis. They're getting paid sporadically. And so there's you say this- say gig workers. Uh, so people that are that are working that hourly or people that are- um, like Uber drivers, Uber drivers, oh, DoorDash it. drivers, or the flex economy. Much more of the flex economy got workers, okay. and oh, yeah. they and they, um, their cash flow is different. Yeah, right. More sporadic. So, so there's this growing discrepancy between how a landlord wants to get paid, which is mm-hmm. I want my money on the first, and how a renter can pay or wants to pay to help manage their life and their cash flow. So. You can see how we how we can extend from you know this short term capital, kind of a short term debt solution that we have today, mm-hmm. to build that into, hey you know for a small subscription fee we'll pay your landlord on the first, and you can pay on the fifth and the and the fifteenth. Or you pay throughout the month or whatever. Or you pay works weekly. For you. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. works for you as oh. the, as the renter, the landlord doesn't have to change the way they manage their cash flow and manage their business. Yeah. The renter can manage their cash flow and their business and we're the arbitrage between those two those two and then and we can make we can make a, a decent um, yeah. revenue off of something Carlton like really it's kind of a win-win I mean there's no downside really I mean there's a little bit of a subscription fee like you said right yeah but that's yeah. you're not making money on the interest or anything right no it's just no it's we we're trying to structure this in such a way so that it's not overbearing for people yeah. and it really cool. leverages the like I said the the difference between how landlords want to get paid and how renters can pay. Fantastic. That's that's our that's our core love it. Our core value prop. Lots of need out there for this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Carlton, um, that's exciting. Pay rent. I mean it's it's I, I you know, and, and I, I'm fortunate to see you in action because, you know, because of the the Rev Road relationship there. But um what are you most excited about next? I mean, what's the, the next big milestone for pay rent? Um yeah, figuring out a way to to move this concept of um, eliminating late and lost rent into that space as well. I, I I will say the the biggest pain for this is the is the gentleman landlord, the DIY landlord. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think as we move into more benefit driven things for renters, mm-hmm. like what we're talking about with a with a flexible payment schedule, mm-hmm. that's something that I I believe that. You can offer as an amenity to, yeah. to the larger guys as another well. Another feature, and yeah. Another feature that they can for sure they can um, offer, and it, and it really is a is a significant benefit for the renter as well. Yeah. So I'm really fascinated in your transition. You know, having spent your entire career, or a, you know, a large majority of your career to this point, um, working as an employee or a director, but not necessarily as the the owner or the founder, and making that transition. Um, what's been the biggest difference for you yeah. or, you know, how, how has that transition Great been? Question. Yeah. So, I mean, it probably comes as no surprise that when you, when you step out to do this, you have to have every hat on your hat rack, right? <laughs> you, Stack them up high, right? You got to, you're, you have every hat on, right? <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, during the rent cycle, I'm on customer service, right? And during, uh, you know, during product launches, I'm on QA. And, uh, you know, I'm selling, I am installing, I am, uh, I mean, I've got some really great people on the team that have really helped, uh, helped in this early stage to get things launched. But I think the biggest difference is you really have to, um, you really have to be, it, maybe not totally capable, but at least willing to wear every hat. Well, I think it's just like what you said earlier. You have to be willing to step into the dark, and that sometimes means aspects of your business that you're not great at today or you don't even know how to do. You're you know, willing you know. to jump on YouTube or whatever Absolutely. and figure out how to Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that you are like, oh, I never thought I'd have to do this or I, <laughs> I have no idea how to do this. Or was this even a thing? How did I even yeah, know why, this? Yeah, why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah. uh, used to be other people did this. Right. Um, it, one of the interesting part, one of the interesting areas, because I've always been in sales and marketing, is just um, in the payments business, there's a whole risk and underwriting component, right? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And having to learn that whole world, and frankly, having to put on an entirely different demeanor, right? Because in sales, it's like, just sell, baby. You yeah. know, don't worry about installing. Don't worry about it. Just sell. Make it sound awesome. Right? Close the um, deal. But on, on the risk and underwriting side, it's about delivering. So mm -hmm. you, you know... You have to take off your sell hat and put on your delivery hat and, you know, scold yourself for overselling, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but really have to ha have to handle and manage that and think about that in the process. So, yeah, I mean, if anybody's listening to this and they feel like they're, they're having to do every single thing. Yeah, that's pretty normal. You're not alone. You're not alone. It happens but everyone. I think it makes you better at it, right? If you're in the sales yeah. process and the underwriting process, then you're better at it. I think so too. And you learn all aspects of your business, which right. you otherwise wouldn't know. And you're going to need that when you do hire people for those yeah. positions, right? So yeah. there may yeah. be a benefit to that. Yeah, there is for sure. Um, but it, it, call, it calls for a certain amount of sort of obsessing, right? Like yeah. you, you do never feel like you're done for the day, right? Because you, yeah. you do have two or three jobs. And so you, you know, if you get done with your sell, your selling job, by three o'clock in the afternoon and you still got customer service stuff to do, you got to get that stuff done because you want to keep your customers and you want them to be yeah. happy. Uh, so you just have to, the midnight founder, you have to do whatever you take, whatever all it takes. the way to midnight He's doing it. and beyond and beyond. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning sometime thinking, Oh man, <laughs> I forgot to do that. And I had to do that yesterday. You got to get up and go do it. Yep. So you just, you just pay the price. Well, it sounds like, Carlton, that, that you've had several experiences that make you the midnight founder, like what we were talking about, right? Getting up at 4 a.m. thinking, oh, man, I forgot that one thing yesterday. What's what's the craziest thing that's happened to you in this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey thus far? Some wild story or something unique? Oh, or I wish I would have had time to think about this because I... I'm not a, not a wild guy, so it's like I don't know if I have any wild stories. Um, We've had several like people that have stayed up all night inventorying their one, you know, store or or yeah, yeah, or, um, or showing up at a trade show and they forgot their booth and you know whatever. Or the website crashes the day or before the their launch. Right so the all of launch. that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of that happens. I'll take one of um, each, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of them. I, I think, um, yeah, a lot of times when you're thinking about the customer-facing side of your business, you're not thinking about the, the back office or administrative side of your business. And sometimes you can really get caught 
with your pants down on that. Like you, you're like, oh, wow, I sold this. I have no idea how I'm supposed to actually manage or deliver this. Mm. Um, and so, you know, t- we, we actually did a partnership with um, a company called, can I talk about companies, name companies? Sure. A company called QuadPay, which is a, a really great buy now, pay later company. And they're the ones that actually do our lending. Um, even today, huh? Yeah, even today. And um, we started we started doing the lending, and then we we realized after we had actually even started the whole program that we actually had no way to automatically disperse the funds mm-hmm. back to the landlords, and so we had to minor like, detail, right? Yeah, minor detail, <laughs> because we're thinking, oh yeah, the money will just flow back into their merchant account, and yeah, the things. Oh, like, and then it turned out we couldn't access their merchant That's account. That's stressful. Um, and so we're already live, and we're actually we're actually <laughs> yeah. already needing to fund I'm these loans. I'm feeling your pain right now. So I am, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in the in the middle of the night, just absolutely feverishly building a back end administrative tool oh, that taps into our the API of our bank and taps into the API of our of our payment provider to get those funds flowing mm-hmm. automatically before you know it gets too it gets too hot and heavy. Yeah. Um, and you know, once again, if I would have probably known all the stuff that it takes to, to get that all up and working. I probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger on something, but I'm happy I did because the timing was right. It forced you to have a deadline. Probably. It forced you to have yeah. a deadline and it, and, and, you know, yes, it was a, it was sleepless nights and long hours. Um, there's only a couple of days of stress, you know, three days of stress, but, um, you know, you just, you just got to do it. You know, you have to make sure your customers are happy. You got to make sure your customers are back happy. Back to that point of like, if you had known all of that, you would have waited and pay rent might not exist today. It it's, might not. You know, the middle of 2022. and Or we might not have been able to help the people when they needed the help that they needed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And th- that's, that's the key, you know, is that we were trying to get this feature done at a time when people needed it most, which was, you know, co- the heart of COVID. We're trying to get this this done. So I'm I'm happy that we did it. It was only stress for, for me, you know, it was only extra work for me. So I don't think anybody that's not listening to this podcast would know that, that we had to go through that. Yeah. But it was, it was super, super stressful. Your customers are going to be listening like, what? What? <laughs> they didn't know how to pay us? Yeah, this was all going on. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that we really want to know, um, you know, that I think the, the listeners will really take some value from from, from this, not just hearing your story and your background and being inspired by your leap of faith and, and kind of the steps that you took to get pay rent off the ground. But um, what advice do you have for somebody out there that's getting ready to start their uh, leap of faith? These are things that I'm, that I'm learning to do. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert or good at this at all. So I'm probably talking to myself as, I'm, as, as much as I'm talking to anybody else. Great. Thank goodness, because I don't think any of us are perfect at any of this. I would say that it's going to be hard and, you know, bringing a product into the world, bringing a product to market, the market is tough. Every market's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get, and, 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 and in the beginning, when you're getting that flywheel going, it feels like nothing's happening. But it's, I would just say be gentle with yourself specifically be gentle with yourself because i think most people that will step out to do this entrepreneurial thing are fairly driven people yeah that are i would say are type a mm-hmm. hypercritical hypercritical probably of themselves 
and they and and it's boded them well throughout their lives to 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 push themselves yeah and to be self-aware and that sort of thing yeah but it's more it's more than self-awareness because i actually think self-awareness shows a, a certain amount of emotional intelligence and i think you can if you're really self-aware, you you already know how to be gentle with yourself. But oh, I think a lot okay. of people that are driven, um, and and goal oriented, mm. oftentimes will try to get to their goal by you know beating about the head and neck. Right? The <laughs> the you know the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> We've all right? seen that post. And and so and so you 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 beat yourself up a lot. I think when things don't go exactly to point. plan. I don't know if we've heard that one before. That's a good note. Yeah. Um, and, and I would just say, uh, be gentle mm. with yourself. Be graceful with yourself. Um, the, the, the job of an entrepreneur and bringing a product to market is already hard enough without you adding to your own self-critical you know, mm. nat- nature, if that's the type of person that you are. And, well said. And I, would, and I would bet that people that are stepping out to do this are very self-critical. Maybe I'm just projecting because I tend to be very critical of myself. I want to do everything perfect. I want to execute. No, right, I think you're right on. Right on time. I and, think that's and, a, a and thing. nothing ever goes wrong and there's no failure. I'm going to tell you there's, there's more failure than success. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more missing the goal than hitting the goal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can survive that you can't learn to be gentle with yourself mm. and kinder to yourself. So that's, that's fantastic. That's the advice I would give to people is is you know kindness and gentleness. That's fantastic. It, it doesn't it doesn't mean you're not trying to get to where you're trying to get to. It doesn't mean that at all. It you're just, not dropping the benchmarks or the goals. You're just no, being gentle to yourself. No, you're 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 figuring out. I mean, how would you talk to a, to your child? that is trying to accomplish something, yeah. right? Would you really, you know, beat the crap out of them? No, you would be encouraging and you would be helpful and you would be kind and you would be loving and you would be gentle. And so you just, you have to remember to do that for yourself. Mm. Well, Carlton, we, we need to wrap up here, but um, one, I mean, we've already asked the question, what makes you a midnight founder? And you've kind of told us about that, some of the things that you think about at night. Um, who, who do you, everyone has someone to look up to. And to be inspired from who is that person for you, Carlton? I would say you know personally known people, the, the the guys that I'm invested with in the business that helped me to get this business off the ground. Mm-hmm. I have tremendous admiration for um, my friend Jeff Shea, who was the CEO at Payline when I was there, hired me on to be their chief revenue officer and help to scale the business. And mm. um, he's just an incredible human being. I aspire to be like him, even though he's you know old enough to be my. I'm old enough to be his dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like in his early 30s. Age doesn't matter, right? Super successful entrepreneur yeah. already. You know, That's I great. just really admire that. But, but it's actually his humility and his patience, um, and his care for others that I actually admire most. And yet, he is also very successful and has been very successful even at an early age in business. So, if he ever listens to this pro- podcast, I'm just saying, Jeff, I love you and thank you for believing in me and stepping out on faith with me. That's cool. Um, and he will. Shout out to Jeff Shea. And then people I don't know that I greatly admire, and it was actually the reason why I got into tech in the first place. Steve Jobs um, inspired me very early in my life. Um, mm. You know, when he created the Mac, I was actually a teacher in 
in Los Angeles. I, oh, and, I, and I fell in love with the Mac, and I fell in love with computers, and I learned how to re- create the box, right? the that little, little, that the little, little Mac with the little 8-inch screen, I man. Yes. It was the best thing I'd ever seen in my the life. The mouse with the cord. And yes, the... <laughs> it was magical. It was magical. I remember those um, days. Because I could, I could do music on it. I could yeah. do my grades on it. I actually created a database for the school that I worked at on it. was just right there under the monitor. Fli- you're flipping out, s- you right. know, floppy drive. Yeah. <laughs> floppy drives. That's right. So anyway, it was, um, he inspires me because uh, he reminds me that things don't exist until people create them. And nobody can picture what's going to be created except for the creator. And, you know, it's amazing to me because if you look around the world, nothing existed until somebody figured out how to create it. Yeah. Didn't exist. Good point. And then here it is. And, you know, here's a guy that, that reinvented you know, the music business, the computer business, the phone business. And no one would have ever envisioned the things that he envisioned until he created them and brought them into life. So um, that just reminds me that we are co-creators. You know, we're creating things that don't exist out of nothing, out of the ether. And, um, and, and with the, with the idea that we want to benefit, you know, society, benefit mankind and do things that, that help others. So, um, you know, that's my, that's my personal story about guys that I'm, Love it. I, I really admire. Love that. I love it. Uh, I, you know, this has been fun to get to know you a little bit better, yeah. get to understand what PayRent's doing. Um, how do the listeners find PayRent? Are you on social media? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's PayRent.com is our website. Okay. Um, you, you know, if, if you're a landlord and you're sick of trying to collect checks and you're sick of trying to send that text to say, where's rent? We can take over all of that for you and simplify it for you. You you know, five minutes, you've, you're set up with a merchant account. You're ready to take both, you know, bank transfers and credit cards right off the bat. Um, super simple to use. Uh, you'll find us at payrent.com. And, you know, you can even join for free and just sort of pay as you go. So a very easy product to buy and a very pr- easy product to use. And um, and hopefully we are in a position to you know, provide you with great customer service and really truly make your landlording experience a passive income experience, which is what everybody really wants. Pay rent's going to take over the world. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Carlton. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye.